hear me cough? It's still lingering, but it's better, so yeah. praise the Lord. Um, tonight, we're going to be in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Um, I have been praying and asking what the Lord would want me to do as far as another sermon series, and um, he gave me uh, something that I wanted to do, but I didn't have peace about doing it on Wednesday night, so that's going to be our next Sunday morning ser uh, service series when we finish uh, the book of John. So, um, But uh, then he gave me uh, the book of Romans, and I thought this would be a good book to go through. Uh, so Romans, we're going to start in Romans chapter 1. We'll be getting in verse number 1. We'll go down to verse number 7. Romans chapter 1, verse number 1. The Bible says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are, also, are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And this evening, I want to give us the opening message of the book of Romans. And I would like to entitle this, The Credentials of Paul the Apostle. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the night you've given to us. Lord, thank you for the time we get to come together, Lord, and to, uh, to sing our praises, to lift our prayer requests up to you, and to uh, look around your word. And Father, thank you for the service before us already. What a blessing it was. And Father, tonight I pray as we go into the most important time, I pray that everything that is said tonight will be honoring and glorifying to you. And Father, I pray if there is one here that does not know you as their Savior, Lord, I pray that they would make that decision to come before you tonight and to, uh, to know 100% sure where they're going when they pass from this life. Lord, we do love you and we give this time to you. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And tonight we're going to start our study in what perhaps is one of the greatest books in the New Testament. And I know that's a big statement, but uh, however, Roman is without, Romans is without question the greatest theological work of the Apostle Paul. You see, this book has been called many different names. Uh, the Constitution of Christianity, uh, the Cathedral of Christian Faith and whatnot. It's a big uh, book. And without a doubt, this book has been responsible for more change in the church than any other. You see, it is a book that, uh, that has touched many, many lives. And back in 386 A.D., it touched a man by the name of Augustine. Um, and we see that later on, a thousand years later, a Roman Catholic monk by the name of Martin Luther uh, was, uh, was a professor at the University of Wittenberg in Germany. And uh, he was teaching his students the book of Romans. And we see that as they studied the text, uh, his heart was, or he, uh, his heart was arrested by the theme of justification by faith in Romans chapter 1 verse 17. And the Holy Spirit used this verse to bring Luther to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see, and the, and the Reformation to the world. Uh, a few hundred years later, 
an ordained minister of the Church of England by the name of John Wesley. And we know who John Wesley is. And uh, he was repairing, preparing to take the role of, uh, to take the gospel to America as a missionary. However, even though Wesley was a preacher, he was going across the Atlantic uh, as a missionary. He was confused about the gospel and was seeking a genuine co- uh, conversion experience of his own. You see, then one Wednesday night, uh, he attended a Bible lesson in London. While there, he heard some of Luther's comments about the book of Romans by reading uh, and his, it brought to his conversion uh, to Christ. Then John, uh, along with his brother Charles Wesley, uh, would, be, would be tools used by God in the Wesleyan revivals without the, throughout the world. Now, over the next uh, few months, uh, as the Lord leads, I would like to go through the book of Romans, and uh, I'd like to try to go through it verse by verse if we can. And as I do, uh, we will find some great questions uh, in this book about God and what has been given to us that Jesus uh, will be answering. Now, this is a book that uh, is impossible to exhaust. There's so many good material in the in the book of Romans, and it will, uh, you know, it is a book that is. Uh, captivated uh, theological minds throughout uh, throughout uh, the ages. It, it humbles sin, uh, uh, even the best of God's servants to tears. Romans was written by Paul between somewhere between 56 A.D. and 58 A.D. Now, from, it, it's from the city of Corinth is when he wrote this. And while Paul was on his third missionary journey is the time frame, now, the Bible tells us that Paul was saved and he spent three years in a town called Arabia. Now, uh, during that time, he studies the Old Testament writings of how they speak to Jesus. Uh, and when he returns to Jerusalem, he came with this great epistle burning in his heart. And I want to ju- I want to see the first seven verses tonight. Uh, and we, basically, this is the opening statement of Paul. This is the opening statement to the book of Romans. Uh, and you see that uh, as they it is to the church of Rome. And as Paul discusses himself in his and his ministry, he also sheds some light about our mission as we go through life. This is the this is probably the longest introduction of any New Testament epistle. Now, you see, it is also the richest theological content in the, in the Bible. And I want to spend a few minutes tonight about the credentials of Paul. And we're mainly going to look at verse number one. And I know it is not. Uh, we're going to, we're, next, next Wednesday night, we're going to continue it because there is just so much here that we cannot uh, take 15 minutes just to finish uh, 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 these verses. So we're just going to go through verse number one and uh, look at the credentials of Paul the Apostle. Number one, I want you to see the facts about this messenger, the facts about the messenger. Let's look back at verse 1. The Bible says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Now I want you to notice there, there's a lot in this, just the verse number 1. Can I tell you that uh, his condition here, uh, he, as Paul begins his comments to the Roman Christians, he doesn't begin boasting about his office. He doesn't, uh, he, he begins by proclaiming himself to be a servant. You see, uh, the word servant means a bond slave. Now, uh, this calls to mind uh, uh, the law of a bond slave from the Old Testament. Think about this law. According to this law, a slave could refuse his freedom and could choose to remain with his master forever. He could choose to do that. 
But we see that instead of exalting himself before the Romans, Paul chooses to humble himself in this verse. We see that this was uh, the, the secret of Paul's greatness. You see, Paul knew that, that like a slave, he had no personal rights. Like a slave, his life was uh, dictated to himself by his master. He was totally sold out for the will of God. He, uh, there is no doubt, this is why God used Paul so greatly. We see that Paul, uh, he used Paul to, many, to write many books of the, of the Word of God. This is a lesson for us as modern Christians that we need to learn. You see, we have so many who feel that they are in control of their own lives and that they have the right to do what they please and to make uh, the, their own decisions. Can I tell you that we need to remember that we are saved by the grace of God tonight. We are saved by Jesus Christ. We became, when, we, when we were saved by him, we became his bond servants. We, he bought us and now he owns us completely. You see, uh, this, this image of slavery was uh, a commonplace to Paul's readers back in those days. However, we don't, even, we don't understand it so well in today's age. Now, therefore, I would like to take just a moment tonight and to share a few facts about slaves and slavery uh, with you tonight. And as I do, I want you to let the Lord uh, speak to your heart tonight about uh, your relationship with him and about uh, how your level of surrender is to him. Think about this. A slave was totally owned by his master. Slave is totally owned by him. You see, in a spiritual sense, Jesus saw the wretched condition of where we were in, and he brought us unto himself. He made us his possession. Revelation chapter 5, verse number 9 explains this. We won't go there for sake of time, but you got to know that a slave is totally his master's. He's totally owned by his master. A slave also exists for the master. He exists for him. His, his job is to, uh, is to serve him. Now, uh, he has uh, he, he existed for his master. There, he had no other reason for his existence. He had no rights. He had uh, of his own. The only rights that he had was those of his master. And we also see that a slave exists to serve his master. Again, he had no other purpose in life but to do what his master wanted him to do. And you see, he wanted to be... He, uh, he was to be at his master's disposal any hour, day or night, any moment that the master needed him. That's when the slave was supposed to come. Now, obviously, we don't really see very much of that in today's age. And for that, I'm grateful we don't see that. But can I tell you that it was a big thing back in those days. And we see that uh, this is how Paul felt here. Does that describe your heart tonight? Our lives should be li uh, lived for the glory of God tonight. We can do his will totally and without question. Now, I notice that even the slave's will belonged exclusively to his master. The slave's will was only toward his master. He was allowed no will or no ambition outside of what his master allowed him to have. In other words, there was to be a total surrender and every part of the slaves being the will of the master. Note this, that when Paul mentions his master, that is nothing, that is nobody other than the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. That is who he's talking about. He's not talking about any other master that owned him. He's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ here. And a slave's life, whether it be good or whether it be evil, depends upon the character of his master. Now, in this case of, of a believer, our master is the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. And praise the God, he is the best of masters we could ever serve. 
He is the best of masters. Look, look, tonight you say, well, I'm not owned by anybody. Look, you are owned by the Lord Jesus Christ because he came, he died on the cross for your sins. He paid that ultimate price. He owns you. And you see, we owe him for what he's done for us. That makes us his bond servants. You know what? It ought to strive to make us to serve him because he paid that ultimate price for us. I can't repay him for what he's done for me. But I, w- I want to try to do as much as I can for the Lord Jesus Christ because now, because I place my faith and trust in him, I'm not touching the flames of hell tonight. Amen. You know what? That made me all to, that made me all right there when just wants to serve my master every day of my life. We are bond servants of him. We're his anyway, but what do we do? God gives us a free will, though, to choose to serve him or to not serve him. But can I tell you that he is a loving master. He's a caring master. He's the best master you can ever have. You know, back in those days, there were some masters that hated their slaves. They beat their slaves. They killed their slaves. But I praise God, we serve a loving and caring master tonight. He loves and cares for us. And he wants to see us succeed. He wants us uh, to serve him uh, in love. And uh, I noticed that Paul's mentioning his master. And of course, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, instead of cringing and cowering in fear before the one uh, we call Lord, we are servants who, uh, who have been elevated to a status of priest and kings. Uh, our, uh, our is a position of honor before the Lord. We are perhaps the only slaves in history who are allowed to sit with their master on his throne. Do you notice that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 6? Look in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. Let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 6 says this, And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know, tonight we are probably the only servants that will sit at the right hand of the Father, you know, to ever sit on his, uh, by the Master on his throne. You know, uh, I noticed Paul and his... Um, excuse me, in his condition, but I notice his calling here. You know, not only does Paul, uh, is, was Paul a slave to his new master, but he's also an apostle. Do you see in that verse number one of Romans? It says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. He was a call, he's calling to be an apostle. He's called. Now, this word apostle means an ambassador. You see, the word literally means a sent one. He was a person sent out into another country as a representative of heaven. You see, ambassadors usually carried with them all the authority of the country and the king of which that sent them. You see, Paul was no exception here. He was a representative of King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He was a representative of King Jesus, and he operated under his divine authority. Now, when Paul spoke, he spoke for the Lord Jesus Christ. When he acted, he acted as a representative of the throne of heaven. His authority was the very authority of God himself here. Now, what does that mean for us? It is worthy to note that Paul was what he was because of the will of God. He was what he was because of the will of God. You see, notice that he had been called. I like what that word says, uh, called to be an apostle. Paul did not just decide to go and do ministry. 
He did not just get up one day and say, you know what, I'm just going to live for God. I'm just going to go out and do what I can. No, he did not decide, nor did his friends or family persuade him to go down this direction of what he should. He was placed in the ministry by the sovereign will of Almighty God. He was called by God. Uh, Paul became what he did by the grace of God, and that it was the operating in his life. Can I tell you that just as God has picked and placed Paul here, you see, he also does the same with you and me tonight. He calls us. Now, he, he places us in his kingdom work when and where it pleases him. Can I tell you, you're here for a reason tonight. You're in the place you are because you are here for a reason. I'm here for a reason tonight because God has called me to be here. And can I tell you that, uh, that uh, wherever you are, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that uh, being called doesn't mean you have to be a preacher. Being called doesn't mean you have to be a missionary. Being called doesn't mean you have to be a Sunday school teacher. If you are doing God's will for your life, God could call you to be anything else He wants you to be. God could call you to be. Uh, uh, God could call you to be anything—a doctor, a lawyer. If that's where God's will is, you are called according to His purpose. You are called according to His will for your life. Can I tell you for this uh, that we need to be uh, willing to be called tonight? You see, uh, we, we see Paul's called here. Paul was called here. And we see while uh, we do not hold the office of an apostle like Paul is, we are ambassadors of heaven tonight. We are ambassadors tonight. Each and every one of us in this room is ambassadors tonight. Can I tell you that God has uh, commissioned us to be his spokespersons uh, for this lost and dying world. When we go out into this world, we're ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're out to tell others about Christ. We're the spokespeople to tell those that are lost and dying in this world that there is a God in heaven that loves them and wants them to be saved. We are ambassadors to tell them about that. And when the world sees you and me, uh, let, let's ever let them see a people who are sold out and committed to the, wor- to the will of God in this world. They need to see people who are living like they are indeed representatives of heaven. People in our world today need to see people who are representatives of heaven, uh, like the salt in the band world. You know, we should flavor our lives with the glory of God and create a thirst of others for the things of God. You know, this world, they're not thirsting after God anymore. Why? Because people are not going out and telling them, are they? People are not going out and telling them like they used to. You know, this world is lost and they can't help but be lost. Our job is to go out and tell them. Look, how will they hear if we don't go? How will they hear if we do not go out and tell them? Can I tell you that we have a calling as well? Everyone in this room has a calling. You may not be called to be a preacher, but I can tell you, you could be called to be a representative. You could be an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. You can tell others about Christ. Paul's calling, but I also see his commission. Paul's next statement in this verse, and let's look at verse number one again. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Paul's next, uh, te- next statement tells us that he has been separated unto the gospel of God. There are some great blessings contained in that little phrase right there. Can I tell you that separated, this word means to be set apart. You see, Paul is telling us that his life has been set apart for the glory of God tonight. It has been, uh, for, and for the Lord Jesus Christ. This literally means that nothing else matters in Paul's life except the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He is separated into that, the things that mattered to God. People are concerned about being separated from the world. You know, uh, uh, they tell you that you have to stop doing this thing or the other thing in order to be perfectly separated. Their whole life revolves around what they can and cannot do. I personally believe that people like this are missing the point here. They're missing the point. You see, our job is not to be separated from the world. It's to be separated unto Christ. We, you know, we're in this world. We can't physically separate from this world, but we ought to separate unto Christ. We ought to be doing God's will for our life and not what man tells us to do. You see, if we are separated unto Jesus, then we are automatically separated from the world. Because the world is telling us to do one thing, but if we're separated to do, if we're separated unto God, if we're doing what God wants us to do, it's automatically, we're not going to do what the Lord, what the world tells us to do. So we need to separate unto Jesus. And I cannot, you know, I cannot be in limbo with this. I cannot be doing in the world one day and I can't be serving God the other day. I got to be sold out one way or sold out the other way. You know, there's no, there's no middle ground here. Although a lot of people like to claim that there is. And a lot of people like to uh, sit on the fence. Well, I'll serve God one day, but I'm just going to wallow in my sin now. I'm just going to do this. Does that make any sense tonight? You know, can I tell you that if I'm living in one area, then it is impossible for me to dwell in another if I'm living for the Lord Jesus Christ, it's impossible to me to go back to uh, those things. But if I'm living in sin, it's impossible for me to separate from the world and go into God. So if I really want to be separated from this world, then I think that's what God wants for me. I believe it is. And can I tell you, then the secret lies in totally devoting my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the secret of it. If I live to please him, I will have no trouble with the world. Oh, I can tell you that I'll get some backlash from the world. But can I tell you that if I got God on my side, then who do I need to fear? Who do I need to, uh, who, who do I need to stand against? Look, uh, if God's on my side, he's going to take care of those people. He's going to take care of the world for me. Can I tell you the word translated separated is the same word which we get our word horizon. You see, the, the sense that the word literally means off horizoned. You know, it tells us that Paul horizons has changed. You see, before he was headed toward uh, a religious hell. You see, before he was living a life of legalism and rebellion against Christ. Now his life has been changed. And now he's headed toward a new horizon. He, he, has been, uh, he is definitely a different life than what he used to be. And so it is with every child of God who is in the world today. We have been changed, and we've been changed forever. You're not the same person before you met the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not the same person. Can I tell you, we need to be headed toward the new horizon. Before, our destiny was an eternity in hell. Before we got saved, we were on our way to a place called hell. Before, our lives were filled with sin and with rebellion. Now we have been called as ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven, uh, the very representatives of God in the world today. Now, Paul then tells us that he has been separated. Look at that phrase at the end of the verse. Unto the gospel of God. His commission is that he's carrying the good news of Jesus. He's carrying the good news of Jesus toward this, uh, this world that is, is lost in sin. You see, this gospel is a special message. Notice this, that it is a gospel of God here. It's talking about the gospel of God. This message did not originate of the mind of man. It did not come from man. This is from God. 
You see, it came from the heart of God. The plan that would accumulate with Jesus dying on the cross and then raising again uh, from the dead was and is God's plan. You see, it was devised long before man ever stood on the earth. It was, uh, it was long made before that. You see, uh, 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 excuse me, had man, develop, had man developed a plan of salvation, it surely would have included works or religious rituals. You know, if we made our own salvation, it's what we could do to get to heaven, right? But that's not what salvation is about. Salvation is by grace through faith. And can I tell you that, uh, that, that God, on the other hand, fixed it so that lost sinners could come to him freely in faith and receive eternal salvation by the grace of God. We know Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. This is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is the gospel of God, but it is the gospel born in the heart of God. Now, why would God want to go in such great lengths to save the world to get his message to the world? The answer is because God loves us, because God is love. You see, and he, and that, he does not want a single sinner to die and go to hell. He does not want one sinner to go to hell. His love is so great that he's, he's, he will stop at nothing to get this message out. He will even use people like you and me to try to cross paths with people, to try to get them the gospel. You see, just consider for a moment those people that God calls into the ministry. You know, can I tell you, you may be thinking of somebody right now that touched your life. It's because, you know what they said? I'm going to sell out for Jesus. I'm an ambassador for Christ. And because of that person, you're sitting here tonight. Now, it's because the Lord saved you, but God used that person to help you come to Christ. Can I tell you tonight that he can use you as well? And he may have a plan to use you to, to help you to be ambassador, to help somebody else come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, Brother Matthew, I can't talk. I can't, do, I can't do that. Look, you don't know who you could reach. There are people that I cannot reach that Brother Artist can reach. There are people that Brother Jack can reach that I can't reach. We all are different. This is the kind of love, though, that illustrates from an old story. And I want you to, uh, I want you to listen to this old story. I found this kind of interesting. It seems that there was a young Frenchman who loved very deeply. He was very deeply loved by his mother. However, when this young man reached adulthood, he fell in love with a very wicked young woman who was able to gain his total devotion. And when the young man's mother tried to turn her son away from this wicked and ungodly relationship, the young woman became extremely angry. She told, the, the, uh, she told her, uh, I guess you could call it fiance at the time, she told him that if he really loved her, that he would prove it by going to his mother's house and killing her. This young man resisted, but she continued to pressure him until one night he was drunk. And he went to his mother's house and he killed her. And as he returned home, and as he entered the door to where his, his fiance was, he stumbled and fell to the floor. And they say, and I don't even believe that this is actually true, but when he did, he felt like, he heard his mom cry out, are you hurt? Talking about his mother still caring for him. Can I tell you, isn't that how things are between God and man tonight? You see, he created us, he loved us, yet man raises up in rebellion against God. Don't, do they not rebel against God today? Ultimately, they participated in God's death on the cross of Calvary. 
Man put him on the cross. But can I tell you that when, even with all this against us, God still sees our heart condition and he reaches out to our lives and he still reminds us that he loves us and cares for us, even if, even if we don't love him as much as he loves us. You know, he, uh, and can I tell you, his gospel is good news. Can I tell you that uh, his, his love and care for you is still working today? It is the only gospel that will save the lost tonight. Can I tell you that his gospel is the only thing that will save the lost? God only knows of one plan that will save a lost soul. There's only one plan, that's coming to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And you know what we are? We are messengers of this gospel in this present day. We are the messengers. We are the ambassadors today. And just as Paul was separated in the first century of carrying the gospel to the lost, then we are called to do the same thing today. You and I are called to do this today. The message for us is, is a great one. Our duty is to submit to God's will for our lives and be his ambassadors to this world. And how are we doing to get the gospel out? How are we doing tonight? And as I bring this message to a close tonight, I know we haven't covered very much ground, but we're going to get to it. Can I tell you that I think you and I will agree that some of these things really needed to be said tonight. And Paul has considered himself to be a slave of Christ, an ambassador of God, and a proclaimer of the good news of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know that God still holds the same expectations for you and for me tonight? You know, tonight, His will is that we will go forth into this world with His message. That we'll go forth in this world and tell others about Christ. As His representatives, in His name and in His power, that we tell the good news to those who are perishing. When we lay ourselves aside... To, when, we, we, when we lay ourselves aside and go forth, and sometimes we can try to compare ourselves to the Apostle Paul, we can't, me- how can we measure up? We can't really measure up. But, you know, there's more for us to do. You know, are we surrendered tonight the level we should? Are we consumed with a burden for the lost tonight? You know, tonight, it, won't, it wouldn't surprise me that there are some people that need a burden for the lost. You know, tonight, I need a bigger burden for the lost. You know, I know I could do better. I know I could do better. And I believe we could all do better for the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul considered himself as a servant, called as an apostle, and separated under the work of God. You know what? We need to be doing the same thing.